0: I'm looking forward in 2021 to not only continuing to donate to causes that I believe in but also to providing more of a platform for BIPOC voices in the dog world here on Cog Dog Radio. So stay tuned. Friends, I'm excited to let you know about Connection Summit Conversations. This is six candid conversations between Marissa Martino, myself, and occasionally a special guest, covering everything from the human half of dealing with dog-directed reactivity to the importance of play. So check out the link in the show notes. We're getting started soon, and you won't want to miss it. Today, I'm going to be talking about coercion with Adam Scandarani, Adam owns and operates Flash of Brilliance Dog Training, which is located in Massachusetts, and they are a certified control unleashed instructor and just a great human being. I think you're going to really love this conversation. We went down so many different rabbit holes, and we it all started with an incident that occurred with their dog Flash that I heard about, and I just said, hey, Adam, talk to me about that on the podcast. So here it is. Welcome to the podcast. Will you please share your first and last name and your pronouns with us? Of course. It's Adam Scandorani. They, them are my pronouns. Wonderful. So Adam, you had this recent experience with your dog Flash and that's why you're here today. I actually have We have many things we could talk about, so I'm sure you'll be back. But today we're talking about this experience you had with your boxer flash. So can you just give us the brief rundown, what happened? And then I'm sure that there are X number of rabbit holes we will go down to discuss why this matters. Tell me about it.
1: Um, Well, um, I think it's important to to just at least give the, the uh what's the word uh, the disclaimer that flash is not an easy dog <laughs> and the whole reason why I know you at all on a personal level
0: is because flash is not an easy dog um and that's like everyone I know <laughs> <laughs> I don't know anybody unless they have a dog that's difficult <laughs> Um, the difficult dogs give
1: us so much that we need and we don't know that we need. <laughs> they really do, including good friends. Yes. Um, but he, he's going to be five at the time of this recording in like three days. So he's still pretty young. He's just come into adulthood <laughs> for a boxer that never happens. But the issue that I had was, um, he, his dumbbell behavior broke for competition obedience. Um, it just broke. And that was the only thing that broke. So, I thought I thought that it was a training issue, and for eight whole months, I treated it as a training issue before I dug any deeper. Well, first, I, I floundered a bit and kind of just went with what I always did. Oh, it didn't work. Um, today is not his day, and keep in mind, this is like during a pandemic, and we're just starting to come back to classes. I thought he was stressed from coming back to classes because that stresses him out um new classes uh, happening next door in the other ring and so sometimes he just wouldn't go fetch his dumbbell over the high jump specifically but he would catch it on the on the flat he would go and he would bring it back on the flat i'm like oh, okay the the high jump is just too close to the other ring and it's too stressful for him okay just chalk it up to that and we'll we'll build back up to that no problem And then it just continued happening. And then it would happen on the flat and then his behavior in class would escalate. So I don't remember if you know, but he spent a good six months of his life trying to, or not trying to, but succeeding to the moment the leash came off, he would leave the ring and go in and go after crates. And he would try to crate fight dogs. And we resolved that to where he would come to me and make better choices but it looked like he was trying to revert back to those behaviors. He started um, the handler-directed aggression again that we had resolved quite a while ago. He came to body slam me, biting my hands, um, barking at me, and when that didn't work, he then would look at the other ring and try to jump over the five-foot wall that separates the rings, and I was worried that he would then choose to leave the baby gate ring you know the baby gates Mm -hmm. and go after the crates of my classmates again and that I mean although it's been resolved for over a year at this point it still sticks in my head obviously so I took him out of class for a while we stopped playing the dumbbell in class and uh, he would do it just fine in private training when I would just rent the ring and do it myself he would do it fine at home but it just kept getting worse and worse and worse anyway to the point where he wouldn't even take the dumbbell at home. Mm. And then he wouldn't even hold ribbons for photos because he loves hold. Hold is um, a a very, very strong, well-reinforced behavior for him. Like it mattered to me. So I made sure it was valuable to him and he just wouldn't want to hold ribbons anymore. But I still didn't connect the two things. I thought they were separate because I was so focused on the dumbbell issue being a training issue.
0: <laughs> Which is normal. I just want to give you some empathy because it is so normal for us to just kind of make a decision about something and then not see neon science. I mean, people are probably listening, being like, well, he wouldn't even hold a ribbon. Like, how did you not you know, know something was going on there? And I would just like to have everybody who's having that thought so just check themselves because this happens to all of us. It does. It does. And also keep in mind, flash doesn't come by ribbons easily. So like, it's not often <laughs> that we had ribbons <laughs> to take photos <laughs> every day. It wasn't no, day no, no. asking for the rose. So that wasn't a very salient piece of information because no. it wasn't showing up a lot. I do exactly. think it's very interesting. So I just want to put a pin in this little thing that you said because I want to circle back to it. He was still performing this behavior well for you out of context. So in easier environments, he was still doing it. So it's very easy then for us to blame context. It's really easy for us to say, well, that's just too stressful for him, right? But what's fascinating is that it continued to degrade elsewhere. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And it degraded over the course of eight months. And so again, not um, very salient. If things happen slow, we don't notice them.
1: Absolutely.
0: Not very salient and also not
1: a linear regression. So Mm -hmm. it didn't break in a straight line. It's there were days where even in class, even in context, like we would do run throughs and he would go and, and fetch his dumbbell properly the way up to my criteria and bring it back to me, even over the high jump and in a run through here or there. And I'm like, oh, look, oh, okay. It, uh, he's getting more confident about it. Whatever, just whatever. So was, obvious. Yeah, it wasn't. And it was the only thing that broke. Keep that in mind. Mm-hmm. As far as I was aware at the time. Now, looking back, obviously, I can tell you 700 other signs that there was an issue, but... Um, at the time, all I was focusing on was a dumbbell. I'm like, okay, maybe the dumbbell, he doesn't like the material. Let me get a new material. Um, he was using one of those uh, one-piece plastic J&J dumbbells. Um, like maybe he doesn't like that anymore. Um, let's get a wooden one. It's lighter. It's it's different. I got the same exact size, one-piece wooden one. He didn't like it. All right, let's try a bigger one. So now he has the biggest size Just so you know, Flash, my boxer, has the biggest size wooden dumbbell that J&J offers, Um, and it also fits his head pretty well. He's got a big blocky head. It actually fits him well. It is the size that Max 200 said he would need so that they would give him, so I wasn't – after they told me that, I wasn't too – upset about that. I was like, <laughs> I thought it was funny though. Um, I used different sizes. I, I got smaller ones, um, smaller bits, bigger bits, longer, and then also, um, uh, the width of the bit, uh, the diameter of it, I would change and vary the size of that. I think I went through like a good 10 or 12 dumbbells total, um, trying to see if it was a dumbbell itself issue. And... Yeah. I'm I'm
0: fascinated. I'm fascinated by your process just from a behavioral standpoint of the human. Like, I think we all, we need to all pay more attention to human behavior to, to understand dog behavior better, because if you're listening to this, you're going, well, sure. You know, they tried everything that they knew how to try. However, what's interesting is that when a dog acts like this, when a dog keeps trying stuff that has nothing to do with the real answer, we get pissed and frustrated. We right? do. We do. And it's what we do all the time. <laughs> so fast forward. Right, like, uh, yeah. And, you
1: know, and in, the, in between, of course, I was using um, some kind of punishment here and there, not anything cruel or, or horribly coercive, I don't think. I w- it was suggested to me that I use a force fetch. Make mm-hmm. him do it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it just, that behavior, it, competition doesn't matter to me that much. So the answer was obviously no. Fast forward to about late April, he looked at me. I, uh, we had entered a trial. It was open, open a CDSP obedience. So he needed that dumbbell and things were kind of rocky. And I made the decision. It was too late because the trial closed. So I was going to lose my money other way. I entered the trial. I decided I made the decision. I'm going to run him and excuse myself before the dumbbell exercises. Mm. So I can at least get my feet wet with off-leash healing and the broad jump and the drop on recalls and all of that. So that's exactly what I did. And he was doing so well, like high scores until I excuse myself. But that day I took the dumbbell out just to show someone and Flash was on his mat resting. And the look on his face, Sarah, his eyes got so wide and they started bulging out. His ears went back and flat and he just turned his whole head away from me as if I was about to beat him with it. That's when I said, there is something else going on.
0: Okay, and I'm gonna say this again. Okay, that was an eight month process. Yeah. But at that moment, you observed what your dog was doing. And you made the connection and you had your light bulb. And sometimes it takes yeah. us eight months to have a light bulb, but as long as we have it, it's, it's yeah. okay. As long as we have it, I'm glad uh, I had it. Did you immediately go, we gotta get a dental exam? Or like, what was your yes. process? Yeah.
1: Well, um, because of previous injuries, he's had his iliopsoas. Um, he, mm-hmm. he wrecked that a, a while ago too. So because I know he's being taken care of by a good team of people who, who, who can physically check him over. I knew there was nothing wrong with his neck. I knew there was nothing wrong with his limbs. I knew there was nothing wrong with his body like that. But then again, there is one thing that Flash does not let me let alone his vet do and that's check
0: his mouth back
1: in February. So this, common is, this is late too, April.
0: With so brackies. The brackies yeah. do not want you to look in their mouths. And they're no. really the ones that really need that dental exam so badly. <laughs> As we're about to find out. Yeah, try Just try um. looking in a pug's mouth. <laughs> Have a nice time. Okay? Speaking <laughs> from a family of pug people, I, it is a nightmare to try to open a pug's mouth and look at their teeth. It really is. And I mean, their so mouths better. are way worse than flashes but but absolutely so okay so did you yeah. do like a sedated exam then for him or where did you well, go? first
1: i had to first i had to pitch this to his vet because she saw him <laughs> two months mu- two months earlier she saw him two months early and she said i was able to kind of look in his mouth she just let uh, he let her uh, lift up his gums he didn't really let her open up too much she was able to open a little bit and she says his teeth look fine there's no tartar buildup there's nothing going on they looked great So she didn't, she didn't believe me. I had to pitch why I wanted a four-year-old dog to get a dental for when, when there's no obvious reason why. And I explained the behavior and I explained the whole thing. And she said, you got it. You're, you're the trainer. You know what you're doing here. Let's figure this out. So she was booking way out. So, and originally he wasn't supposed to be seen until June, but about three weeks later I called her again. I was like, listen, um, there's an odor coming out of his mouth. Ooh. That was the first time odor came out of his mouth. I was like, oh yeah, I'm on the right track here. Yeah. And he started refusing to finish his topples, which he's never done before because you know, if you ask Flash, I starve him.
0: Yeah, yeah. So he has never refused. The things were going downhill fast in that regard. Very now, now it was very obvious. There's yes. something yes. going on. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And I, I'm talking to some friends. I'm not, I wasn't super public about this. Um, because of uh, the judgment, I knew I would receive I'm sorry, from the, you lot didn't of the community. Want
0: everyone on DogBook <laughs> to tell you what they think about your situation. Funny how <laughs>
1: that is. Um, so you know, I was talking to a few people. I was taking bets on what we thought it was. I thought it was a slab fracture. Yeah, no, it wasn't a slab fracture. I will send you the image of his. Um, uh, the his vet took a picture of his dental chart just before she started working on them. So I'll send that to you, Sarah. So you can just have that visual along with me. So she said, there's nothing we can do. Like I'm going on vacation and I'm overbooked. And I was like, all right, fine. She goes, here's some pain meds just to help. I'm sorry. I wish there was something I could do. Literally the next day she calls me. She goes, can you come in the day after tomorrow? I was like, yes, yes, absolutely. I can't. Work. Work. Yes. Yes. Yeah. yes, Yes, I will drop everything. yes. Yeah. <laughs> So I brought him in. She comes out to the parking lot to sedate him because they are wonderful, wonderful vets. Um, She brings him in. She anesthetizes him. She she really gets a good look in his mouth while he's sedated and just out cold. And she goes, oh, there's like one or two teeth that should really come out. But I still don't see any reason why he wouldn't be holding anything. And then she took x-rays. The mess that she found in there. I got an email 20 minutes after she said, okay, I'm about to take x-rays. And that email included a picture of his dental chart. She goes, okay, so I've only gotten through the right side and I need to take out this many teeth. There were 10 teeth marked. Oh my god. And
0: uh-huh. it was only
1: his right side uh-huh. and uh-huh. his bottom
0: incisors. Oh my god. And his bottom incisors. Uh-huh. So by the time because she got through why? the thing- like Because Because they're rotting from the inside because like well- because, A, boxers have crappy boxer, mouths as it is. Yes, okay.
1: Um, many of his teeth, so that you know how they kind of are
0: supposed to be straight and, and formed yes, in a certain the, way. But the mouth is literally malformed.
1: Correct. Mm-hmm. And so many of them were sideways, and many of them were twisted and not sitting in sockets that they were supposed to be sitting in. And then on oh. top of that, boxers, yeah. And then boxers also get um, gingival hyperplasia, that's the overgrowth of their gums, And we try not to cut that back too early in their life because it continues to grow back. And then like, it's a mess and you have to constantly be, be cutting them back. But she said, um, back in February, when she first looked at his mouth, that his hyperplasia like was minimal. And I thought so too, because I look in his mouth as often as I can. And I try to brush his teeth, but we only get through what we can because he wants to eat me instead. Mm -hmm. Um, When I brush his teeth and and I can't muzzle him while I'm brushing his teeth, you know. I know, funny thing. (laughs) Funny thing about that. Um, So we didn't really expect to see what we saw. And turns out the hyperplasia was actually really bad. It was just on the inside of his mouth. So like the back of his teeth Uh, instead of the uh, front. So the gums might, would the gums actually overtake the teeth? Some of them were, but mostly it was just like kind of sort of starting to, Mm -hmm. but infection and stuff was starting in some of them. So two teeth were diseased, only two and they were not anything that would have anything to do with where he holds his dumbbell, which is behind his canines. They were back, um, his left molars, like two mm-hmm. of them, uh, I think there were two on the bottom. So mm-hmm. those came out because they were diseased um, and, and overcrowded. Yeah. But mostly it was because of the malformation of his mouth. And- It was literally because of the skull yeah. that he was born with. Correct. Yeah. And he also had three extra teeth. So, you know, that didn't help. So some of the teeth, the He's way so she fancy. described it- um, know so some of the teeth she, she she took out some of the teeth and then like say she would take out one tooth skip a tooth and then take out another tooth once those were out that one in the middle had to fall out because the other teeth uh, were the only thing holding it in yep, so yep. at the end of the day she ended up taking out 13. 13 teeth took out 13 teeth she took out 28 percent of his teeth yes i did the math his bottom incisors the only thing holding them in was the gingival hyperplasia? Was the overgrowth of gums? So once she cut those back, they kind of basically just fell out. I mean, they were loose, obviously, kind of sort of. My in place goodness. Up, yeah. So when you think about it, of course, in the moment, my first thought was, "We're going to need a bigger estimate." Obviously, that was the first thing that went into my went through my mind. And thankfully, I saved for it. I knew it was coming, and I saved extra. Thankfully, it it was only a hundred over the estimate. It wasn't that bad but also thinking about how much
0: pain this dog must have been living in and just yeah. thinking it was normal. So I want to call that out for a second because yeah. he's, as you said, he's about to turn five. This is simply the mouth he was born with. Now, no, he wasn't born with diseased teeth. That process took time. Yes. But he was born with a just malformed um, dent- dentition. and. Yes. Here's my curiosity is what other behaviors have improved since this dental? Because what if all of his bullshit can I say that with love? There is a lot <laughs> of bullshit I there. there. <laughs> <laughs> I am under no illusions. And, let me, oh, and I okay. also see that, Adam, as a person who suffers from chronic pain myself. And a lot of my bullshit is because of that, right? So if oh, I am a lot being, of my bullshit is too if i am being an unreasonable human being and i catch myself being that every single time i'm like right? you you are in and you are in more pain than normal today but when you live in pain and i know you know when okay. you live in pain it's hard to tell before you're just being unreasonable yeah. that you're in more pain than you were yesterday. It's like when a doc, it's like I laugh at the pain scale at the doctor's office. Like it's, I, I laugh at this scale because Absolutely. it's based on a normal person who's not in pain. Yeah. If a good day for me is a four out of your one to 10, then my seven is different from somebody else's seven. And it's- Absolutely. Right? So like, has, have other things changed for Flash? Oh, Yes. Oh my gosh. Look at me nodding here as if they can
1: see me nodding. I know it's okay. <laughs> it's yeah. <so> dramatic. About- <laughs> yeah. You'd be surprised. A lot of things have changed. Now there are also other factors in this because back in February, I increased his dose of Prozac, of fluoxetine. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time that also helped. Um, and I have no intention currently of lowering it. However, there were many behaviors that didn't change and many moments of, of, emotional outbursts from flash that that didn't change with that increased dose that did change once those teeth came out. Does that make sense? Like yes. it
0: helped, like the increased dose helped a lot. Because, because a good SSRI helps everybody, <laughs> almost oh, everybody, yes. right? So like, so oh, yeah. yeah, increasing the SSRI is actually going to legitimately make him better able to cope with the pain. That's why fibromyalgia right. patients are prescribed SSRIs regularly as the primary form of treatment for fibromyalgia pain. And so it made him better able to cope with his pain but he was still in pain yes.
1: he was still in pain he was still in pain and uh, i wonder how much of that pain so like let's say his reactivity he was always over aroused you know he was always I mean, an over well, the day male he came home boxer for crying exactly out <laughs> he's, a, he's a young male boxer that's yeah. not gonna change um but the second right around when he hit 15 to 18 months old like that that's when the problem behavior started that's when he went from over aroused to reactive to he was displaying a lot more barky lungy behaviors that were actually problematic that's when he started displaying a lot of those um, human aggressive or uh, handler aggression behaviors aggression, yeah Correctly. Correct. That, that, that led me to you in the first place. Mm -hmm. And that's also kind of when sort of his head would stopped growing
0: and, and started
1: kind of setting. I'm just going to say this is
0: around the same time that his dentition would have been mature and starting to be what it was going to be forever. And you also had a lot of your handler directed aggression um, occurred. If I'm remembering correctly, while trying to do agility which is then a physical difficult thing to do. It's, you know, it's a, it's a physically challenging thing to do on a good day if you're not in pain. Yeah. And then you started to see an increase in this stuff in obedience due to the pain Mm -hmm. we, you
1: know, we can assume. Oh yeah. And he's he's had his issues in obedience as well that um, on the surface didn't Did not seem to be related to any kind of pain? Mm -hmm. Again, there was this one moment where he just decided that working in the ring with me was no longer something he wanted to do. And the moment that leash came out, Uh, came off he was out of there and he was going for crates never loose dogs waiting their own turn because he's actually quite nervous of other dogs and he does not he doesn't actually want to fight fight. he's a big weenie he's a big weenie and he's actually afraid of dogs that are quote-unquote uh bigger and scarier than he is Mm -hmm. so he would never go for loose dogs even when he jumped out of the ring at like agility trials he would never ever ever go for dogs even if they're what caused him to leave the ring he would never go after said loose dogs he would always go looking for crates or looking for other ways to get in trouble and he would always be easily caught even though he's uncomfortable with people touching him and I discovered he's uncomfortable with people at that first worked up um, seminar I went to Mm -hmm. with you um, where where we figured that out a little bit Um, but he would always let people catch him because he doesn't actually want to do anything bad he just wanted to be out of the situation
0: he was yeah he just wants it over
1: and and i i never knew that at the time and now i'm far more aware of the function of leaving the ring and being a jerk to me came from like what the function of that was
0: so this kind of brings us to the broad topic that i had wanted to talk to you about Mm -hmm. is the problem of employing coercion in our dog training as it relates to the fact that we don't always know what's going on. Yeah. So there's probably people, as as I say, kids today who are listening to the podcast who don't know what a force fetch is, but it's not nice. And it's basically, you know, as it sounds, you force, you force the dog to fetch the thing. It is meaner than you can imagine if you, Oh God, I'm going to get in so much trouble for saying that. Um, just <laughs> whatever. I I've done it. I know how to do it. it is I've made mean. it for a long time. Okay. I yeah was that trainer. So I think I can speak about it. I don't think that it's, I don't think it's an okay thing to do. And that's a, that's regardless of whether your dog has a bad mouth or not. Um, but <laughs> what's important here is that People, experts, people who quote unquote know more than you in your sport told you if you didn't do that, you were never going to get that CDX, right? Like if you didn't do that, he wasn't going to be reliable, retrieving. And you weren't going to do that anyway, because that's not who you are as a trainer. No. And I think it's easy for us to look at this in an extreme way. And kind of say, Mm -hmm. well, I would never force fetch my dog. And therefore, I am not in danger here of utilizing coercion. And I am going to say that that's not true. Because let's look at some more PC ways (laughs) that we could go about, you know, controlling whether or not the dog fetches the thing. Yeah.
1: You mean some more PC
0: ways that I actually did do? Yeah, I do. <laughs> Let's talk about the more PC within the positive reinforcement community things that we could do. A really PC thing to do is to just stop training, to just, just not keep asking him to fetch the dumbbell. You did that. I did. It didn't help. It, it didn't, didn't make the problem didn't help the dumbbell issue. Way. Right, it didn't help the dumbbell issue. As I, I don't think it would help many issues. Right, like, yeah. um, but you. I want to be very clear that because I recommend to people all the time that if something is not going well, you should throw in the towel. Like if if you're trying to train and the dog's not doing the expected behavior, whatever, you should stop. There's a big difference though, between stopping and pivoting and doing something else and stopping and putting the dog in isolation. Yeah.
1: And you know, there were days where I said, okay, today's not a day where we will do the dumbbells. That's fine. Um, you want to work on healing instead because I'm all about good, happy, joyful, precise healing. Mm-hmm. And and I know he's capable and I know he enjoys the exercise. I know you guys, I have a unicorn. I have a dog that
0: enjoys healing. <laughs> um, you so know, so Felix let's work on that. Likes it too. Felix really- He looks like he likes it. Isn't he cute? He's like me he and my me dancing. That's how-
1: much- <laughs> that's how i think flash feels about it too he's he's close to me he's relying on me and there's clarity every single time whether or not i'm speaking because in cdsp i can tell him if we're turning i can help him a little with some verbals Mm -hmm. without losing points but in akc you can't do that and i always train for that level because one day i do want to get into the akc ring um and uh i just entered my first trial and i'm terrified he's done it he knows all the things That's a whole side rant, but anyway. um, So we would go to healing. That's something that is um, easy for him. So I lowered my criteria or lowered the difficulty of the training session, not really the criteria. Um, I I even tried, like if he did pick up the dumbbell, I gave him like a pound of food and then just called it a day then and there, like to try and really solidify that that's exactly what I want. It didn't help, but it didn't help because he, he knew exactly what I wanted, but the reward wasn't worth it. But I didn't know that at the time. Um, I did things like okay if you don't want to do this let's go train some agility instead and I would go um, take out some agility equipment and we would work on some drills and then other days I just got so frustrated where I said all right you're going in to create for 20 minutes and while I play on TikTok or whatever and that also didn't make a difference I turned around and went home if it didn't work I I used no reward markers which I've never really used with him because it Mm. didn't matter with him like it just didn't make a difference either way with him I don't have feelings about I don't have feelings it's not in your system with him yeah yes and I even tried it I was like no I tried withholding rewards I tried you're never wrong but sometimes you're more right I tried everything I could think of and then I tried something that a a force-free um instructor had said to try and it's if he doesn't pick it up you don't pick it up and it kind of just stays there so just stare at it and look at it he just walked away and did something else y'all he was like "You're because weird. he didn't care he's like you're weird bye <laughs> And that, i mean i guess that's a valid way to do it you teach the dog that if the dog doesn't pick it up then it never gets picked up that's fine but like i didn't teach him it that way so why should i use that as a punishment right because it's basically what I would be doing. You don't get to do anything. You don't get any reward unless you pick this thing up. And he
0: was never taught that way. The only positive reinforcement based route that you routes that you've mentioned so far involve essentially jackpotting. Yeah. Right. Exactly. And jackpotting, certainly I, people use it. I mean, I feel like I did do a podcast on jackpotting if I didn't. You did. I did. Okay. You did. I'm like, if I didn't, I need to. (laughs) You do. (laughs) You should do another one. That's Maybe you should do another one because my thoughts (laughs) on it evolve all the time, but um, it isn't a, like, it's not really a clean procedure that's going to fix anything for you. Like that's the belief that it holds. Like people think it will. It's not a clean training procedure that's going to fix anything for you. So it's no, no surprise that that didn't work, right? Obviously. And we could get really clever with our use of positive reinforcement. We can get more clever than jackpots. Um, the, the basis still would be there that his mouth hurt and therefore he just wasn't going to pick it up. And you no. could have used any level of coercion. Um, I'm going to say that stopping and training something else. So immediately going to train something else he's never going to qualify really as coercion. It's going to just be offering him another option. I'm for, but, but stopping and looking at TikTok, like stopping and putting him away and scrolling TikTok for a minute um, could qualify as coercion. Especially considering he loves training with me. Right. If it's actually removal of the thing that, you know, now we're talking, if we want to get technical, like a negative punishment type of procedure, where mm-hmm. then you don't get to train at all if you don't do this. Yeah. And that only gets worse and worse with more potential for fallout, the smaller your dog's world is. So it's, the good news is, is that a Ash has a big, big world, right? <laughs> he has a huge world. So that's where this went on for a long time because you weren't really applying like you weren't really laying a lot of course I think he would have given yeah. you that look he gave you that day sooner if you had been I think more so coercive too. about it right I think so too or he would have just kind of sucked it up and fetched the dumbbell even though it hurt yeah. which he did do many times he did over the course of those eight months because again the contingency is fetch the thing get a cookie and he really wants a cookie he does so some days yeah He could take it to get the cookie. And I watch dogs do dog sports every day, Adam, who are just taking it to get the cookie. And they're not in pain necessarily, but they are just taking it to get the cookie. They want the cookie, so they'll do your stupid thing that you want them to do that they don't want to do, and then they'll get the cookie. Hint, that issue shows up a lot then in the ring, when there is no cookie and they know it, right?
1: um sidebar that's actually why I'm a little terrified of um putting him in the AKC ring at least in CDSV you can you can give you give, can every give food yeah every- yes so yeah. even with my trial nerves um he still expects or is is under like he has that expectation of immediate reinforcement um so I am working on that with him and I'm trying to do it in a very, very deliberate way because I know he has very big feelings about his Yeah, mind. so they, he know
0: so he doesn't feel tricked. Exactly. Right? I don't want to trick that's him. That's the key thing, is that if they don't feel exactly. tricked, they know the they know what the jig is. They know I get the food after the stuff. So I think and I mean point... you know what the fallout would be if I tricked oh. him. <laughs> yes, that would not be good for you. Um, no. is that. There's a lot of like more commonly accepted ways to force than say a force fetch. Right. Oh, yeah. And there, so it kind of doesn't matter. I don't think what it, what the procedure is that you're doing. If the dog is doing something that is that you can't really explain and you tried to explain it, you were like, It's ring stress, it's class stress, it's the size of the dumbbell, it's the damn texture of the dumbbell. It's like, I mean, you looked for all the reasons you could and he had had a recent vet exam and people have their hands on him all the time. So you really didn't have a glaring reason to think it was a medical issue. This could have happened to really anybody, but not everybody would have been, remained kind to their dog through the process. And I think that that is what one of the take homes here is: is that it doesn't really matter what your procedure is. Like, if you think a crate timeout is fine and a force fetch isn't, like if that, maybe that's your ethics, I'm gonna argue neither of them are fine. If you, neither of them are fine as a method to change behavior. I agree because you don't know why you don't know what's going on with that behavior. If you can't, just, if you can't just split the behavior down to a success point, like if you can't even find that success point, there's something else wrong. And that's exactly what I learned
1: out of this whole thing. That's yeah. exactly, and it's important to note. And I note this all the time, and people don't realize it who who don't train or see him often. Um, but his hold behavior is so heavily reinforced it is important to him he used to body slam me climb on me bark at me do all the things just so he could hold his dumbbell (laughs) and then just so he could give it to me to get a cookie Mm
0: -hmm.
1: I even used and I know um you're you're going I can't believe I'm admitting this to you but I even changed my reinforcement um he, he he's not a dog that likes to work for food uh, for toys only food and that's fine um, and I I continued and I stuck with food but I changed from a high value reinforcement food to a high stakes reinforcement food
0: that's how that's how desperate I was about which is it. A, I can't believe you know I what did that. it's okay that you just I mean it's it's really okay <laughs> because I'm glad you said it because that's what people would do yeah they just keep upping the ante I did. Right. They just, work. they just keep going higher on the, yeah. um, you know, positive reinforcement trainers often are like, well, oh, I just need better food. It's just got to be better and better and better food. And, um, there's danger in that. And essentially right. if they won't do it for something that they like, but don't need, then, then we, then we have an inherent problem.
1: Exactly. And we have gotten to the point where I can do like three or four retrieves without reinforcing in between like formal set up wait throw the dumbbell return front get back into heel position throw it again mm-hmm. for like three or four pieces of kibble that's how strong this behavior was yeah for it to break um and for him high stakes is sugar like ice cream is high stakes he can't he can't even do a sit stay for a picture in front of ice cream and i chose to use ice cream because and because that's what we
0: do as positive reinforcement trainers is we go what's the best thing yeah and i've been in that situation before for sure and i um i rarely use toys for any kind of training with felix because toys are always high stakes for felix yeah so literally, if we're using toys, it is for us to play toy games and like just yeah practice toy skills as a yeah, skill set too. Uh, as a skill set that he has because it's fun for us, right? Yeah, and it also like almost satiates something in him, and so sometimes then we can move on and have a clearer head after that. Yeah, but it is always. I mean, if I put a toy at the end of the dog walk, he will just like freeze. He's like, I don't know how to be right. I, I don't know. I, I can't right. Versus like It's
1: too hard to do it right. No matter how easy yeah. it is, no matter how well rehearsed this behavior it is, right? It's too hard to do it right for that thing. And in the
0: presence of that thing, yes. And I will use really high. Like I am a. One of my superpowers is the ability to utilize different reinforcers to get different behaviors intelligently. My entire success with recalls is about that. My entire success with recalls is about that. Um, And and yet, I never want to cross this line into, and now you're desperate. So I, I like to, again, turn around on human behavior. I have stepped to the line for agility runs that mattered so much to me. Right? We're talking like the challengers round at NAC. We're talking like uh, you know, nationals finals rounds. We're ta- that's the kind like we're talking very high stakes or even just like. If I don't get this super cue on this snooker course, like freaking quit agility, right? So like we can you can have like a lot of different ways to have oh, yeah. a run, have a run feel really, really important. Yeah. It still doesn't feel as important as like you screw this run up and we're gonna shoot this person you love, right? Like it isn't like that. It's never like that. Exactly. Right? Because we don't live in some weird alternate <laughs> universe where but that's how it feels but that's how dogs. it can feel to these dogs like ice cream feels like that to Flash. that's why he can't do it, feel right. like that to felix right. you cross toys feel the ball and rope feel the gape ball that is that is that to felix that is yeah. the russian roulette situation for felix and exactly so then it's not even fair to use no no it's not fair I, and you're going to get it's not fair or effective because then I'm not going to run that run well. I'm going no, to screw
1: it up. Exactly, it's like a self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah, yeah. And say Flash happened to give me, and he he did this once. I just played around with with the high stakes um, ice cream with something unrelated. I did it with a uh, um, directed jumping, and he got it right. He got the right jump that I asked him to jump, and he came so fast and he came so straight the front was so straight it was beautiful it was the most beautiful thing in the world and i'll never be able to recreate it because he wasn't thinking about all the things he did yeah to earn that ice cream yeah. he wasn't thinking no. about it he just did the thing to get back to me as quickly as possible yeah and he's like this setup looks like i need to go over a jump in. and they're pointing at that jump so that's the one i'm gonna take but get me that ice cream now Yep. Like, I don't think he would have been able, and he hasn't recreated that speed and accuracy ever since. He's, he's fast. He was not ice cream
0: fast. <laughs> and so it's kind of like, you know, coercion is problematic no matter what flavor it is. Yes. Right. No matter if it's the force fetch or the ice cream. And I will die on that hill. <laughs> and I'll see you there. <laughs> because... You know, and do I think that the person using the ice cream believes they're doing better? Like it would sit in judgment of the person doing the force fetch. I think often. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't think that's fair necessarily. I agree there too, because otherwise I would have just done a force fetch, right? If I didn't think I was doing better. And, And so where's the line? And the line kind of needs to be, if this feels like coercion, I don't want to, I need to not do it.
1: And it felt icky in the moment and it didn't work. He didn't even pick up that dumbbell. He just, he just body slammed me and practiced behavior. I've worked so hard to get rid of (laughs) in a dress. Like I, and I was like, this this is icky, this isn't working. He felt desperate. He was desperate for that ice cream.
0: And desperate produces rash behavior. And, um, So I think the last point that I want to touch on a little bit that we touched on briefly is what does it take for you to be able to tell an expert, no, thank you, that's not for me? A whole lot of guts. I think it takes a conviction that has been decided on before that conversation happens.
1: Oh, absolutely, yes.
0: Right, like if you walk into an a seminar, like any student of mine who's going to take a seminar and they're not sure who this person is or what they're doing. First of all, I always recommend auditing if you don't actually know what is going to happen with you and your dog, but a lot of people, you know, don't think that's worth their time. So they want to work in all the seminars. And so I always say, you know, go in with your convictions of what you will and will not do before, before you ever get there, because Mm -hmm. there are things that seem harmless that are not. So like, it's common in agility to um, hand the instructor your toy so that they can reward the dog and you can think about what you are doing rather than think about rewarding the dog and the dog will be rewarded in the correct place. Like this is common and not, this is not problematic for all dogs. No, it's been done with flash to success. This is not something I allow with Felix. Oh yeah, no, I can see why. Right? (laughs) Oh yeah, no, yeah yeah I mean that that would just not go well for anyone but um yeah. that's not something I allow for Felix and it is something that I did do and would do again with the gene. It's not a big deal for me oh, absolutely right So things don't need to be like if you walk into a seminar and you're like, well, I know I'm safe because I will not force fetch my dog. I will not po- collar pop them. Mm-hmm. those are not options for me. You can still easily be talked into coercive, pressure laden, things if you haven't already made up your mind that just just on a bare bones level if this feels yucky to me I don't do it yep even if I can't explain why yep right and um
1: I credit the fact that I happen to be around all the right trainers at all the right moments in my um learning journey And now as my professional journey, I still align myself with the right trainers. And it seems to always be at the right times that I learned what I am okay with and what I'm not okay with before I was ever faced with that choice. Mm. And I I hate to say that with Flash in the beginning, because again, I was surrounded with cookie cutter trainers Mm -hmm. and I was faced with a dog that didn't fit the mold. So with him in the beginning, it didn't work, but I was able to very quickly move away and learn different and learn better. I'm And I credit that to me having my convictions now for me to be able to go, I'm not going to do that regardless. I don't care what
0: you say. I'm not going to do that. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of people who haven't been there yet. Yeah. Right, maybe they- And no had shame had a, on them, like yeah, no, no shame no, for them. Maybe they've had a dog for whom the the stuff that's supposed to work has worked so far. Yeah. Yeah. I would like to ask them what that feels like, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, same. Um, yeah, for real. So maybe that's you, but I, you know, I remember being in a seminar um, probably 10 or 12 years ago with a very big name person um, in the R plus world. And I had never seen this person speak, but I have several of their books and um I was there with a friend of mine who was working her dog in the seminar and it was a nightmare. The things that this presenter did to dogs in front of me that people allowed them to do to dogs because this person has a name and a reputation that they would be safe was kind of astonishing. And it was a major lesson to me of like, oh, you don't know a lot of people don't I'm a lot better at reading between the lines now and I think now I would have known that that's what it was going to look like yeah Um, however there were so many people in that room who I think had they had their wits about them and had they been like prepared to say no would have said no but they didn't because we get under the influence of authority and we're we're just the mere you know attendees. This is an expert. And when I questioned this person, I questioned one thing. I, I found something that I thought was harmless to bring up. And I was so harshly verbally slapped by this person for, for even mm, questioning it. Sad. That, I mean, all of this should have been like so clear, and I just yeah. there because I wanted the CE. <laughs> Cause I paid, mm. I paid to mm. go here. So I sat in that seat for two days to get the CE. These are also things I wouldn't do now, but um, it's very, I think, you know, it's probably worth an entire other episode to just talk about like actual actionable steps for saying no to an expert. But I Absolutely. think the core one is know what the answer is before you walk in, right? Like know, what, <laughs> know what's right and know what's wrong for you yeah. before you walk yeah. in.
1: And it, it's funny because as you're telling me this story, I'm remembering a moment of myself where I actually didn't. And this is a time where I really wanted to say no because it didn't feel right for me. And I knew what the end mm. result would be, but I still allowed it to be happen because how, how could I say no? Like, I don't even have a, like the words to describe why I'm saying no to this person. And I didn't say no. And the result was as I expected it to be. And that person just handed my dog back to me and said, deal with it, basically. And I'm like, and I did. I dealt with it because I know how to deal with it. But I was hoping to to not have to get to that point. And and it's like, and I knew it. And I knew it in my heart of hearts that that was not something I was willing to allow to happen, but I wasn't strong in my conviction to not allow it to happen. Now, I would say, no, we're not going to do that. I don't care if you want to see it happen. It's not going to happen. Like, I'm not going to allow that to happen. Yeah. But um, two years ago, I, I just let it happen.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's what we do, right? Yeah. So I think yeah. that we have to, you know, we have to know what our line is before we even start. And, and the line is not that obvious because the line could be a force fetcher. could be ice cream. Like, it isn't that obvious. It needs, it's very learner specific. Um, it's also teacher specific, like what can you do? And are you comfortable with? There are certainly things that I recommend and do when working with aggression and reactivity. They're not corrective things, but there are other things that a lot of the R plus community is not comfortable with and me too that's what I was (laughs) mining you were like Adam's pointing at themselves and I'm like meaning you're not comfortable or meaning no no No, me too me too you do the some things right and you have to kind of just know like what are you comfortable with what are you comfortable doing what's specific to you your learner this whole like there are not clear-cut answers here. And if we assume that there are, and we assume that the clear-cut answer is a collar that runs on electricity, a metal collar, or an act like a force fetch, like if we just assume like that's the line, that's over there, then we're not actually paying enough attention to the nuance that exists here. And if you had withheld food from Flash, if you had even skipped one meal to try to get him to take that dumbbell, where would we be now? Not only would you feel like a jerk about it, oh, yeah. right? But, you know, would he have gone on and had another meal and lived? Like, yeah, he he would have. But what did you, what did you almost like learn about yourself?
1: <laughs> right? In that And in that these action. were things I considered. Like, let's be honest. These were things I considered. I wouldn't, I didn't, my line was a forced fetch. That was my line. Yeah, I even considered withholding food, and this is something I clearly, very adamantly, feel strongly about.
0: Yeah,
1: um, to the point where I can't even make my point clearly and concisely. That's how big my feelings are about it. Yeah, because you get mad. Um, yeah, I get mad, and yeah. and, and I just words. Words
0: are hard. I can't think of words.
1: just feels. Um, this topic is my ice cream.
0: Um Um, clearly. And you went, oh my god, am I I considered it, it right. And why did you because you were also desperate. I was also desperate. Right. So when you consider things that are kind of outside the realm of your normal ethics. You do need to like check your desperation. You were desperate because you had literally tried everything and nothing. Was I working. tried everything, everything that I could think
1: of, everything that I could think of, everything that other people could think of that fell within my ethics and morals.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and I have a contract with my dog. You will always get meals, one meal in the morning, one meal in the evening, yeah. not necessarily out of a bowl, but you will always have a meal yeah. that you can count on. You will always have these set calories you can count on. And the amount of calories is dependent on how much training we're doing throughout that day and how many hikes we're doing, et cetera, et cetera. I considered breaking that contract. And at the end of the day, like you said, will he live and go on to eat another meal? Yes. But how would I feel? And what would that have done ultimately to our relationship? Even if, if, even if the 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 weight of that only fell on my shoulders because I know and he doesn't like, these are the things I think about. And he's just a dog that doesn't right. think about right. my owner was mean to me and withhold a meal. Right. Like they don't think about
0: that, but we right. do. We do. And it, we, I think it's just really important to recognize too, that the way that you feel matters. I mean, I've paid like five figures of therapy to learn that. So if something that you're doing in your dog training makes you feel not great, that matters. That alone oh, yeah. isn't enough. Yeah. I, if I'm it great. also, if it makes you feel like <laughs> almighty, it makes you feel really <laughs> powerful. Um, think about whether that's a thing or not for you and whether that's okay, right? So, man, we we have been up and down and around a few different rabbit holes here, but I think the bottom line that's really cool is that Flash feels better now. Yeah, he does. And he's back to work. Yeah. How's your dumbbell look today? So here's the thing.
1: Um, he had a lot of stitches in his mouth, obviously, because a lot of teeth came out and she was, my, his vet was very adamant. And it was his primary vet who did the surgery. He was under Uh for a very long time. It took him days to recover. He had just been, uh, neutered and had a mast cell tumor removed the year prior. (laughs) And, um, he recovered from that, like within, like the next day he was fine. This, it took him nearly a week to recover from the anesthesia. Mm. It it was hard for him to come out. So it was a tough recovery. Um, and she was adamant that he, he is not allowed to have anything except for his food in his mouth for two whole weeks until his recheck Yeah. at all. Like he's not allowed to pick up a yeah. stuffed toy for half a second. And he did um, flash likes to hold my shoe while I prep his meals. <laughs> he just holds it because he's a weirdo and there's a oh. whole reason behind it, but yeah. it's cute and I love it and I adore it. But he went and grabbed my slipper, a soft slipper. Um, and he death shook it for half a second before I could even get to him, and one of, and his stitches from his uh, bottom incisor started bleeding, and I panicked, like, I was like, <laughs> and this was like a week into his healing, like, I was so. told I wasn't allowed to get it. <laughs> I broke him, <laughs> um, so anyway, so once I got the go-ahead, resume normal mouth activity, all you want, kid, um, I took a spatula with a very, very, very narrow, um, what's yeah, so it's not, like, a thick, it was, like, maybe a, a half inch diameter I, even. What do you call it? Yeah, like the just, handle, Yeah. the handle was small, like, easy to put in his mouth. Mm-hmm. The bit was small. Um, and he put it in his mouth, and he was like, I really don't want to. He looked like I was beating him again, and I offered it, and he was like, okay, I guess so. And he put it in his mouth, he kind of, like, chomped it around a bit. He was like, tch, 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 tch. and then he just looked up at me, waiting for me to take it, waiting for it me like, to ask him. Oh, it doesn't mean. hurt anymore. Yeah, so then oh. I, like... Jackpotted that because I was so excited that I was like, because you feel all the freaking yeah. <laughs> yeah. because feelings, not because I wanted to solidify anything. His yeah, feelings. He, he That's knew. usually feelings. why it's
0: jackpots it's, arrive yeah. for me. is feelings. Yeah, his feelings, and they're yeah. my feelings, not his feelings. my no, it's feelings. Yeah, it's mine. That's why I jackpot. That's why I, I jackpot. <laughs> so you get a jackpot. That's literally it. That's why I never exactly. do it. That's I'm exactly. That's trying to train yeah. behavior. Yeah. No. It has nothing to do with the dog. Reinforcement strategy has to do with the dog, not right. with the jackpot. (laughs) Um,
1: but anyway and then the next day I did it again and he looked at me again like I'm never gonna do this it hurts and then he held it chomped it around his mouth a little bit waited for me to ask him to give it to me he was jackpotted again the very next day, I went back to the plastic dumbbell, the original one. He was like, Yeah, cool. This is whatever. I started doing ridiculous retrieves, like problem solving retrieves. Can you get it from on top of the windowsill? Can you get it from in your toy bed? Can you get it from in the cat from next, to, from next to the cat bed where the cat is sleeping? Because he's terrified of the cats. Um, can you do all these things? And he would, he's terrified of the cats with good reason. And he did, and he did all of these things. And so then I switched to the wooden one just in case. And that's when he told me, I prefer the wooden one over the plastic one. He started refusing the plastic one, but not refusing the wooden one. The wooden one, since that day, he has not refused. I didn't have to quote unquote, build it back up. I didn't have to build it up from scratch. I no, thought I just, did. He just had he was to just like, okay. find
0: out it didn't hurt anymore. Exactly. And, and that mind you, just so you know, that's just why boxers, that's a point for boxers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a point for a dog like that, because I think there are a lot of border collies, namely a couple of mine, who probably would have never picked <laughs> up a dumbbell again because They're one so trial learning. Today, Felix was stationed during an agility lesson, and um, the wind blew over my bag of treats, which then blew, which then knocked over an almost empty can of Lacroix. And he was like, "Well, the station is dangerous now." Clearly, clearly, um, is the station, and so that's going to be a thing. So.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Yay! Yay! Um, yeah, no, like flashes and boxers are incredibly sensitive, but they're not that kind of sensitive.
0: Right, it's very different.
1: It's a very different type of sensitive. Like, I couldn't imagine trying to force Flash to do a lot of things. <laughs> right. he'd, he'd, he'd be coming right back at me. Right, right. He's sensitive to me and my emotions. Mm-hmm. He's sensitive to even the smallest, tiniest little bit of correction. He's very sensitive and he will fall flat, but he recovers so quickly and, and things like that. Like, he's so incredibly resilient in other ways. Right, that... and he
0: trusted oh. that, like, he trusted. He had this history of it hurt, and all it took was a couple reps of it doesn't anymore, buddy. Yeah. And he's like, "Oh, it doesn't anymore." Yeah.
1: And keep in um, mind, most of that. those teeth that came out were his um, premolars, which
0: is where his dumbbell sits. Yeah. So now he's gumming the yeah dumbbell, but it was literally touching the ouchy area. Yeah
1: it's no longer ouchy to hold it no longer ouchy
0: well adam thank you so much for this i think there are a lot of really amazing nuggets in this conversation um and i am sure that we'll have you back again to talk about some other different things but congratulations on flash's dental and thank you You guys are gonna go smash the AKC ring. Um, Heck yeah, need some fun, new faces over in that realm. I think, yeah. and <laughs> so yeah. yeah, we do <laughs> enjoy. We do. <laughs> have such a nice <laughs> time. Um, and we'll have to have you back very soon. Anytime, anytime you want.
1: Thank you for having me. This has been incredible to talk about, and. I think it's an important message that we all think about at some point in our lives, but we don't really think about it in terms of our own dogs until it happens. And
0: even then, sometimes we just don't think about it. Yeah, it's really easy to kind of sit in judgment of other people that it has happened to until it's us, right? I'm sure there are so many people judging me going, didn't they ever know? (laughs) And no, at the time, I didn't tell the whole story, but you know, some people people have to judge, don't they? All right. They do.
1: All right. Thank you very much for having me
0: on are you on Patreon yet? It's where you can get all the extras for this podcast the original tier over there still exists where the dog people of the internet provide the questions for the episodes and guide the content of the podcast but there's a new tier, you can become a CogDogarino and get access to my training sessions with my own dogs. so that includes agility obedience, behavior, and stuff with my brand new puppy Rhea, live guest chats, and more, so go to patreon.com slash CogDogRadio, the link is in the show notes you don't want to miss out